Hey, welcome to Unstable Topics, a fast-paced, jam-packed, unhinged bestie podcast filled with facts, reacts, and made-up games in between. We're your hosts, Sarah and Maggie, and we're excited for you to join our best friend hangout, where we surprise one another with things we find interesting or hilarious just to see how the other will react. Our friendship might be totally stable, but you never know what your bestie might throw your way to knock you off your game. So come shake things up, learn something new, and laugh along with us. This is Unstable Topics. Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. Hey everybody, I'm Chris Fafalius and I'm the producer of Chris Makes a Podcast and the host of the One Hit Thunder Podcast. And I'm Matt Kelly, host of Horror Movie Night and the producer slash the head of content for the Geekscape Podcasting Network. Between the two of us, we have, believe it or not, 25 years of podcasting experience and we want to help you start your own podcast. We know podcasting and we want to share that knowledge with you. So whether you're new to podcasting or you want some feedback on your currently active podcast, we want to help. Or perhaps you're just overwhelmed with all of the editing work. Well, we can help you with that also. You can check out our website at weknowpodcasting.com for more information. We're excited to help your podcasting dreams become a reality. of Horror Movie Night. This week, we are talking about Mars Attack ack, 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 Axe from 1996, as picked by me. I hate you so now, much. Now, to many people, this is the beginning of the end for Tim Burton. I disagree. I think that this was a delightful little stop in his career, and his true failings didn't start until 2001 when he did Planet of the Apes. That was the first time he let me down ever. Mars Attacks, the star-studded cast, most of them only in the movie for about two minutes apiece. <laughs> but that's how that's called making there. a movie on a budget. We'll get into it. there's some there's some fun facts that I found about this movie while doing a little bit of research. Scott, you've already made your opinions of this known to me multiple times in text messages and phone calls. Oh, but the thing Brian, is that no one knows except for you. So so oh. let me say in un no uncertain terms that this movie fucking blows. <laughs> and Brian, where do you land on this, Mr. Eye Roll? I think that, that is very harsh. I don't think it's a bad movie at all. No, this is the worst movie that Matt has ever picked for the show. Did you watch the wrong movie? Yeah, I'm confused. <laughs> yeah, I'm this confused. movie is unwatchable. It is the most annoying shit you've ever picked. 
What what comes See, even close the, to being as bad as this? Brian, Matt, you don't get to answer that. Brian, what comes even close to this? There's no entertainment value to this. It is literally someone's digital diarrhea on a screen, and someone paid for it. You sound a lot like the guy who hates the Beatles right now. What? <laughs> <laughs> the, only, the only complaint I have with this movie is it puts me in a weird place because I think that the world is very mean to Sarah Jessica Parker, and I think that she is the worst part of this movie. So, like, I want to stick up for her, no, but no, she really she's sucks not in this movie. at all, dude. She's fine. Who is? Jack Nicholson. If you Nicholson, say Tom Jones, I will Three snap. times. Three different Jack Nicholson's that are awful. Oh, dude, I love the Jack Nicholson. You know what's crazy? As I was watching this, I was like, man, Jack Nicholson is like Nicolas Cage if he could act. Like, unhinged but talented. <laughs> you no, know? he's not. I would say that he has more talent than Nick Cage, but he also has no sense of humor. And so every line sucks in this movie. See, I I love Jack Nicholson in his dual roles in this movie. And when he plays the character of Art, I was like, man, he is channeling Cowboy Beetlejuice so hard for this character. (laughs) And then I read that the reason he played that character was that they wanted Michael Keaton to play that character. And Michael Keaton couldn't do it. And Jack Nicholson was like, I can do a Michael Keaton impression. Listen, uh, see, I was thinking something different, but I I get that because I was thinking... This movie came out in 96. Yes. It probably took about three years. It probably started shooting about three years earlier. And I feel like Jack Nicholson was like, I'm going to go to the movies. I don't want to see anything with my friends. What's this movie freaked? And he's just sitting there and he's like, I could play that role. I could play that role. (laughs) Well, the other thing, and and I would have, I mean, I like this movie. I would have loved this movie if Tim Burton had gotten his way which was that he wanted this to be a collaboration with the guy who did Nightmare Before Christmas and have all of the alien stuff be fully stop motion. Now, that would have saved about 30, 33 and a third percent yeah. of this movie. Because the studio right? was just like, we're not spending that money on stop motion. You're but then using they spent this. all that money on CGI. Like, they still spent a fuckload <laughs> of money on CGI because this movie is 60% CGI. I know I'm going to do a lot is of cents this episode, just, you know, as That's fine. But... <laughs> But as far as, like, the, the aliens themselves are, like, the least shitty part of the CGI. Yeah, I don't mind that. Well, because they still use practicals at points. Like, there is the practical body during the autopsy scene. Like, I actually like the look of the aliens, which I don't think is anything crazy, because I'm pretty sure this is how they looked on the trading cards that it's based yeah, on. So yeah. they just were like, yeah, we're just going to do these trading card designs. But there are parts where I'm just like, man, this could have been... Like, the the one that jumps to mind for me is, like when the kid is being chased by the giant robot, I'm like, yo, if this was like a stop motion robot chasing him, this scene would work for me. But the CG in that scene particularly does not look good, does not hold up at all. I need you to do something for me right now. I need you to tell me why you like this movie because I cannot, I know you better than anyone else in the world. Sorry, Megan. (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 I mean, I, I know you better than anyone else in the world. I'm not saying I know you better than anyone else know what i'm saying it, it's oh, you pointed at you gotcha. not you pointed at me i don't fuck whatever you get it gotcha that's very confusing i'm leaving it all in <laughs> letting that let them decide yeah listeners can let us know how they interpret it that whole conversation for me it's like so there's a lot of nostalgia for me when this movie came out because this was one of those movies where brian and i had a next door neighbor named jay 
who is older than both of us, he graduated high school before I started high school. So he had five years on me. But because we were neighbors, he was stuck with me. So since he was an only child, Matt Kelly got to be his little brother for a while <laughs> and, and do all the little brother things. But he would always go to the movies and he would like, he'd be like, yeah, that was really good. Or like, ooh, that sucked. You know what I mean? He'd give me those reviews. And sometimes he was right and sometimes he was wrong. He told me that Cable Guy sucked. I totally disagree with that assessment. But he was like, yo, Mars Attacks? He's like, it was pretty good. He's like, it wasn't great. He's like, you're going to be disappointed because you love Michael J. Fox and he's barely in it. How does anyone know that about you? How is that a personality trait for someone? <laughs> you love Michael J. Fox. Everybody knows it. You walk into the room and they're like, there's that guy. He loves Michael J. Fox. Uh, yeah. He rolled in on his ho- homemade hoverboard and he... Yeah. He plugged in his guitar and started playing Johnny Be Good, like all those Fox heads out there. Anybody who knows me knows I love Michael J. Fox. Believe it or not, I've seen all six movies he's in. And Speaking of his illustrious career at this point, so this came out in 96. When did Frighteners come out? Frighteners was right before this. This was the last theatrical movie that Michael J. Fox was in. Oh, okay. He's been a TV actor ever since, or just... Thanks a lot, fucking Burton. He was like, you'll like it. And I remember watching this when he rented it afterwards when it was on video. He rented it and we went over and I watched it. And I remember the Cal scene in the beginning distinctly. And then I remember really getting fucking scared and freaked out by the... uh, I've talked about this before. I don't like swapping of heads on things. Like, that's always made me uncomfortable. So, like... Sarah Jessica Parker, not so much her head on the dog body, but the dog head on her body really just fucked me up, especially her head in the jar being shown it was just like, I did not like that as a kid. Now as an adult, it's whatever. I like little details. I like that like when Pierce Brosnan wakes up and he's just ahead. I never noticed this as a kid, but as it pans out, like his entire body is just like sprawled out, hooked up to different machines and that's how he's alive like his heart is just like dangling beating and shit like there's some fucked up stuff in this movie is what i'm trying to say but i could see like this is one of those movies where i enjoy it it has that childhood nostalgia but i also watch it i'm like man if they had gotten to do what they wanted to do with the with the stop motion if they had gotten to do i i'd read the novelization because i had heard that the novelization was based on the original script which they were forced to change because it was too graphic but like People are getting like sliced in half and like head stomped in the novelization of this. That so like done it, it was originally written to be like an R-rated movie, and then they were like, "The fuck you are! It's a PG-13 movie." <laughs> and this is the <laughs> so lightest it, PG-13 movie that horror movie night has ever touched. I mean, last week we talked about Nothing But Trouble, which was definitely a PG-13 movie that I thought was R-rated for a really long time. I mean, there's I've a lot of dick in that PG-13. movie, but it's just because it's a nose prosthetic. <laughs> yeah, it's most, yeah, it's mostly on Dan Aykroyd's face. <laughs> so, so one of the other things that I learned when I was doing some research on this is, and it's kind of funny, Danny DeVito has, like, top billing in this movie. Like, if you look at the poster, he is one yeah. of the six names yeah. on the poster. He's in the movie for two minutes. He was a last second addition to the movie. They actually originally wanted the actor who played Otho in Beetlejuice to play that role. And he was, he couldn't do it because he was making Dunstan checks out. Which <laughs> checks in. Most, checks, in. checks in. Show that movie some respect. 
<laughs> and I was like, what? A, that's got to be like Michael Caine not being able to collect his Oscar because he was on the set of Jaws the Revenge. Like, it's like, I'm sure even if you don't like this movie, Scott, it's got to be insulting to not be in this movie because you're busy making the monkey loose in the hotel with Jason Alexander movie. Instead. You're saying that in a condescending tone, but even you saying that, it sounds like a good movie. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> Did you guys notice that Danny DeVito's outfit in this movie is literally his outfit in Romance in the Stone, which would have been like, what, 92 or something like that? And so he basically yeah. got off the, 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 the destination shooting for Nothing But Trouble, and he's like, all right, you fucks, just put me in the movie. <laughs> I'll wear the same outfit. To this day, I still like... The aliens' first arrival massacre sequence, uh, like it's again, yeah, it's and super tame. And why is Jack like, Black in this movie? He gets killed immediately because no one knew who he was in 1996. Yeah, this, this is, is a but why But why? Why is he in this? He had already he had probably come off of doing Airborne, which is a baller movie, by the way, and he's great <laughs> in it. This would have been right after Cable Guy, which I constantly forget that he's also oh, he's, uh, Well, it's because I haven't seen Cable Guy in 20 movies. In 20 movies. <laughs> okay, okay, guys, time to edit. Matt, no. I can't believe that Jack Black's movie after this was Cable Guy. Yeah, but no, see, no edit, because that's how Matt should talk. To people <laughs> but that's I me i haven't seen that in 20 movies yeah oh my god dude that was three movies ago yeah Matt, it was lunch <laughs> i actually did <laughs> it's how i think sometimes when it comes to this show so one of the other things i want to talk about with this movie is that i do think script wise we're going to talk script time with matt kelly i actually think that this movie does a pretty good job maybe sometimes is almost too on the nose of setting up like all of the different characters and like what their their traits are going to be for the movie so you have like the kids playing this ridiculous arcade game where it just looks like alien piranhas are eating up a corpse and you just keep <laughs> shooting at them you set up that you're introducing the president you're introducing natalie portman you're introducing the donut kid you're introducing the grandmother and her music like they introduce all of the pieces of the puzzle there's nothing that happens in the third act that's like completely out of left field that like wasn't set up but just wait till our next recording i'm really confused why you could hate this movie though i don't understand because it's not it has zero redemptive qualities literally nothing <laughs> about this movie is charming no, you know I, that all i care about is charming movies this movie the whole like from beginning to end of this movie everyone i would think it's like not subjective i feel like everyone would leave this movie with the same feeling which is huh well and then just kind of move on with their day, you know? <laughs> I don't get to do that for horror movie night. You know this. I've His, been doing I have to be upset. He sets a high bar going in. He's yeah. like, all right, it's a horror movie night movie. This needs to knock it out of the park or it can fuck off. Like, <laughs> That's exactly me. That's me. Matt, Matt has been killing it with his T-shirt ideas. There's another one right there for you. Um, yes, yes. HMN licensed merchandise right there. Brian, I, I have a question for Brian because I don't know the answer to this question. Mm -hmm. Brian, was this the movie that started your love affair with Tom Jones? No. Okay. Because you're like one of the biggest Tom Jones fans I know. So weird. Yeah. Honestly. You've seen him live, right? I, I've seen him live. I saw him live. I was the only... Did you go to Vegas and see him live? No, no. We went to like... 
I don't even think we went to Atlantic City. I think we went to like Upper Darby. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this just... is a lot more about Tom Jones than it says about you that he was playing a show in Upper Fucking Darby. And it was like really funny because I could tell like these women were giving me and my friend's mom these looks like that is so ridiculous. They're dragging their sons to a Tom Jones concert. <laughs> and these women had no idea that we were dragging our moms to a Tom, jo- Tom Jones concert. Because my mom, like, that's not something where my mom was like, oh, I love Tom Jones and I learned to. I just, there was something about she's a lady when I was a young kid. And I was like, this is a masterpiece. And then I got his greatest hits. And I'm like, these are all masterpieces. <laughs> that greatest hits record has some wild covers like yeah. burning down the house his yeah. cover of talking heads burning down the house featuring the cardigans dude <laughs> like, i what? will not say i will <laughs> not say that it is better than the original because i don't want anyone I know to boycott it this. i will not say it's better than the original it's better than the original but tom jones's cover of kiss by prince is <laughs> mwah. <laughs> mwah. you listen to that cover so much when I heard the original by Prince for the first time, I was like, who just fucked up this Tom Jones song? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. This song was perfect. It was like, wow, what a what a just a beautiful song about wanting to kiss. And then it's like, why is this little girl complaining? Like that's that's what I heard. Like, that's what I heard when I heard the Prince one. Yeah. Dude, he does he has that burly voice. He's like, I just want your extra touch and your Kiss. And then it's like, let's, <laughs> let's listen to the original. Please, sir, can I have some more? <laughs> yeah, you went and saw Tom Jones live. Yeah, some of his covers are better than the originals. But the, the other Tom Jones thing that I always remember is you being homesick from school <laughs> and just shooting music videos with <laughs> Tom, uh, Jones. Tom Jones songs. You are the weirdest person I know in the most wholesome way possible. Dude, it's so weird. I did. I, I mean, I feel bad for my family because I would just film 20 minutes of me lip syncing songs or just, <laughs> you know, and then after dinner, I would make them watch it. I'm just bummed that the tapes are gone. <laughs> oh yeah, are you bummed? Are you bummed that yeah. the tapes are gone? Oh wait, you you weren't the one that uh, ruined it. My mom did to film a yeah. three-hour news special to see my. Uh, you can send pictures of your kid on your birthday. So my dad's cousin's daughter. Uh, it was her birthday, so they taped over my art. <laughs> so here's the funny thing: is that Megan used to do videos like that all the time too. But you know, because she, she's just a, like a year or two older than Brian, her videos she found them. And she made me watch them a couple weeks ago. And I'm trying to like, uh, I don't even know what I was trying to do. Something not that important. I think I might have still been working. It was like late in the afternoon or or maybe I was trying to work on music. Whatever it was, I was like, okay, honey, I'll watch like, you know, five minutes of you lip syncing to a Backstreet Boys song. So we do that. And then she's like, <laughs> let's watch more. And so she puts on video all these like they're on those mini vhs tapes that are like half did she not know i was coming down soon because like, <laughs> hold on because i'm on. definitely the important. person that's like yeah let's watch more <laughs> like, she married the wrong podcast host <laughs> do you have a you have a vhs player scott yeah of course i got a VHS. I got a vcr bro you, you have a VCR and you have a VHS with... Because I have the raw footage. We can digitize them. 
And Megan you just wants pop to digitize all of her embarrassing shit too. Yeah, well, yeah will Brian, make it happen? Bacon helped me get that cable to take VHS tapes and rip them into digital files. I think I think we can yeah, save the I Tom need, Jones tapes. I need Scott's VHS. So Scott's got a VHS that the thing pops up in the middle, and you put the camera. Yeah, no, I know yeah. what he's got. I can buy that on Amazon for like Ooh, five dollars. I can buy that on Amazon. Look at me. I own my own house. I have plenty of room. Okay. <laughs> buy on Amazon. This is one of the best episodes where we didn't ever talk, talk about, about the movie. Hey, welcome to Unstable Topics, a fast-paced, jam-packed, unhinged, bestie podcast filled with facts, reacts, and made-up games in between. We're your hosts, Sarah and Maggie, and we're excited for you to join our best friend hangout, where we surprise one another with things we find interesting or hilarious just to see how the other will react. Our friendship might be totally stable, but you never know what your bestie might throw your way to knock you off your game. So come shake things up, learn something new, and laugh along with us. This is Unstable Topics. Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. We talked so, about it enough. Stop complaining. Let's talk right. about double features. Yeah, double features. So double right. features. Matt, you pick this shit. You go ahead. Double double features. So I'm going to cheat. I'm going to have two. First is that I'm going to go and play a pinball machine called Attack from Mars, which is a fucking awesome pinball machine that came out at the same time as Mars Attacks. That was just a goofy game where you killed aliens through the pinball machine. But what I'm actually going to watch is the only other horror movie that uh, my boy... Michael J. Fox did in 1996, and I'm going to pop on Frighteners. Nice. Of course. Brian, what do you got for us? As a surprise to no one, it's Tim Burton. Don't even say Ed Wood. <laughs> <laughs> I'm putting it on with Ed Wood, dude. Fine, Ed Wood. All right, Scott. Just go with Plan 9. I don't know. Anyway, uh, I, I have three. I'm going to go with the... The, the first two that I came up with, well, actually, I'm going to go in chronological order. The first thing that came to mind was Deadly Spawn because that movie's awesome and it feels like it could exist in the same general universe of, of aliens coming and killing people, but it's also way better and way more charming. Second, Fido because Fido is that tongue-in-cheek kind of 50s pastiche, you know, kind of thing. But if, we're, if I'm with Matt... And he's like, hey, Scott, let's watch Mars Attacks. This is exactly what he sounds like in my brain. Uh, hey, Scott, let's watch Mars Attacks again. And I say, okay, you know, like, it, I, as long as you let me pick the one after. We're going to pick Invasion of the Body Snatchers from the 70s because that dog's face on a uh, – or human face on a dog's body would just be the most painful thing for Matt to watch. And I would make him watch right before bed. And then I would go to sleep and sleep like a baby. And Matt can ha be up all night just being like – with the, with the faces that basement's on. creepy. <laughs> uh, all right, so 
Thank you for that, Scott. <laughs> so for the things that I recommend, I'm going to give a shout out to a friend of mine who used to be, who did a, a couple of things on the podcast in the past. He's got a book out. He's had a book out for a while, but I'm a bad friend. Just got around to reading it. Um, rapper Mega Ran put out a book called The Dream Master, uh, which is his biography slash memoir about his experiences growing up in a really bad area, Philly, avoiding getting caught up in the gang and drug scene there, and then spending all of his time playing video games and that eventually turning into a full-time career where, you know, the child that used to play video games and watch wrestling all day now gets to write rap songs about video games for Nintendo <laughs> and then go to WWE shows and rap the theme songs for the wrestlers. So it's a, it's a real, like chasing that dream that you had when you were 10 years old and, and making a reality story. But it's it's a very... I, I liked it a lot. Highly recommend it. Raheem's just a good dude. Mega Ram puts out some great music. If you even like a little bit of, like, video game music, what he does with uh, how he creates it. What's kind of cool is that I found out the way that he started making that music, because he created all of his own beats in the beginning, was literally through a PlayStation. There was a PlayStation game... That was like PlayStation Beat Maker. And he's like, it allowed you to upload samples. So he's like, I literally had to upload the samples, create the beats, but then the files were too big to export. So I'd have to take the memory cards and find a way to transfer them onto my comp onto my laptop and then hook up a CD burner to burn the demos to hand out to people. <laughs> so much work worth it and i'm not a nerdcore rap guy i mean i'm not a rap guy you know what i mean yeah. I, I really don't enjoy music that kind of builds off of repetition you know like that's just kind of my yeah. thing but super major props to mega ran i mean if i had to pick one rapper that's m like modern rapper i would probably listen to him because like it does have that overlap with my interests and so yeah, yeah. i mean like and, and plus like yeah he's he's just like such, such a good guy you know brian how about you what, what's something you got to promote I, I can't believe i didn't tell you guys this this wasn't anything i watched or anything i just can't believe i didn't tell you guys this did i tell you i i went to a workshop class that was ran by Max Bemis. No. Oh, uh, yeah. Right before I moved. Like a week before I moved. You're not supposed to meet your heroes, bro. Dude, it was super cool. It was super fucking cool. I was anxious because it said be here on time. So I was there like 15 minutes early. What was it about? Creativity. Using, using your issues... Like using whether it's like past trauma, mental health, whatever it is, like like using things that are viewed as negative aspects to fuel your creativity. And I was the first person in the group and he was just like, hey, Brian. And I like, <laughs> I almost cried. <laughs> like it was just super, super fucking cool. <laughs> it was super fucking cool. It was one of the coolest fucking yeah. things in my life without a doubt. He is like, I'll, I'll leave it at that. But I, you, you bring it up just weird things, weird niches. I thought of me in high school, like, how everyone loved Taking Back Sunday and Brand New. And I was like the one guy that loved Say Anything and no one else did. And then you grow up and realize everyone really likes Say Anything. I watched Mayor of Easttown. I got two episodes left. Everyone should watch it. Get through the first episode. The first episode is like what Stranger Things does where it's like, hey, we're in the 90s. Is like 
what Mayor of Easttown does. It's like, hey, we're in Delco. Like, it's just like a lot of like, yeah, my asshole daughter went to Wawa with her boyfriend. I ain't a Philly fanatic of that guy. I'll tell you that much. But then we got to go down to Ridley and Upper Darby, maybe get a cheesesteak. I don't know. Go birds. And it's just like, okay, we get it. We know where you are. I grew up here. We get it. We get it. <laughs> I want to give a quick little shout out. Not because it's a good movie, but rather because the fact that they got that the writer director got to make three of them with practical and special effects is just a Hollywood love story, bro. Skylines. So Skylines, the second Skylines with a three as the E. So it's the end of the Skyline trilogy. Now, no one and I don't even think the director, writer director has suggested that these movies are good. But I think that it's just incredible that he got all three made. And I'm sure that he at least turned a bit of a profit, you know? I mean, and and I love the fact that when they do the outro credits, they show bloopers. It's not even like you have to, because I watched them on Netflix. You know, you don't even have to, uh, to buy the DVD or watch it on some obscure streaming service to get those outtakes and those bloopers because it's hilarious that the the aliens if you don't if anybody listening doesn't know the aliens are supposed to be like eight feet tall and so people are on stilts in costumes and then they you know sheathe them in some cgi to make them correct but it's hilarious to, to watch the the bloopers when people are like on wires or trying to fight a you know, a, a stunt guy wearing stilts or, you know, they're just laughing and, and you get to see the green screens and all this stuff. I mean, they're not good movies. They're not trying to be good movies, right? They're trying to be really over the top sci-fi and they, they succeed. And I think that knowing that they don't take themselves super seriously, even though the movies are very kind of overwrought in their action adventure kind of side like quest type feel knowing that the actual concept of the movies is a bit lighthearted and the action on set is quite lighthearted really endears them to me because they're dumb fucking movies but yeah. I would recommend you watch them if you want to turn your brain off you yeah. know and, I'll, and, and, I'll and the fact this that the guy there. made three of them I, yeah. he got to make his trilogy I'll throw this out there, too. If you are interested in the Skyline movies, episode 579 of Geekscape, Jonathan sat down and talked to the director of parts two and three and just broke down his love of sci-fi, why he enjoys making those movies, why he wanted to integrate martial arts films into alien (laughs) fights. So, uh, yeah, good stuff. And also good stuff involving aliens, Mars Attacks, this week's pick from 1996. Tune in next week when we see what great movie Scott picked. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's a yeah, good one. You're welcome. Uh, so, <laughs> Scott, so tune in next Everybody's week. Everybody's going to love me so much more because of how bad your pick was this week, you I shit. Think, I think that you're going to be on the hot seat when the audience reacts no, to this episode. No. no. Hmm, I think you're. I have I never been in- so confident in my life. Never. <laughs> oh, I can't wait for I'm bumping this episode <laughs> up. <laughs> All right, guys. Go and hit up the Patreon. Patreon.com backslash HMM podcast. And stay tuned for more Horror Movie Night. listening to the Geekscape 
Hey, welcome to Unstable Topics, a fast-paced, jam-packed, unhinged, bestie podcast filled with facts, reacts, and made-up games in between. We're your hosts, Sarah and Maggie, and we're excited for you to join our best friend hangout, where we surprise one another with things we find interesting or hilarious just to see how the other will react. Our friendship might be totally stable, but you never know what your bestie might throw your way to knock you off your game. So come shake things up, learn something new, and laugh along with us. This is Unstable Topics. Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 